Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, it's State of State. We got your Nittany Line update. It's a football discussion with Tom and Justin. So kick back and press play. With former Penn State and NFL defensive back Justin King, I'm Tom Hannafin. This is State of State. This podcast is presented by Bet Online. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering with all the up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football right at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates, stats, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and the Super Bowl, Bet Online gives you the access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to betonline.ag today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember, use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. State of State is presented by BetOnline, where the game starts. Also, State of State is a proud supporter of Blue White Outfitters. Blue White Outfitters was created as a retail shop meant to highlight the confidence, competitiveness, and fearlessness of the elite athletes found throughout the history of Penn State University. Check out the latest Lockdown U and Lawn Boys merchandise now. All sales from Blue White Outfitters directly benefit Penn State student-athletes. Visit www.bluewhiteoutfitters.com today. And if you're looking for the perfect beer for Penn State football season, we've got you covered with the State IPA. Special thanks to our friends at Funk Brewing for creating the best tailgate and game day beer for Nittany Lion fans. State IPA is available now at beer distributors, grocery stores, Funk's tap rooms, plus select bars and restaurants. Visit www.funkbrewing.com slash beers slash state dash IPA to learn where and how you can get state IPA. Check out the link in the description of this podcast for more information. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Number seven, Penn State wins its first road and Big Ten game of the season at Illinois by a score of 30 to 13. However, Justin, for about three quarters of play, this looked like a Penn State offense out of rhythm and a defense that was reliant on five turnovers to slow up the Illinois offense. Despite the win, do you have any level of concern coming out of this? Uh, I mean, concern might be a little premature, but you would love to see them hit on a little bit more cylinders at the start of the game. Starting the game, the first away game in the Big Ten at 11 a.m. is always a little tricky, especially when Illinois is up. So there's actually some context to the atmosphere that's going on. But the one thing that you take from it is how they won, right? Like, I do agree. It was it was choppy at the beginning. I think still pretty efficient at the, in the run game with Catron averaging five yards a carry. Uh, and still with the margin of victory. But at the end of the day, causing turnovers and creating turnovers is one of the keys to victory in all games. So to be able to do that and not be in one of the spots that they were lacking the past two weeks, I think is another check in the box, but we can't be ignorant to the fact of things looked uh, a little choppy at the beginning of the game. Choppy is a good way to describe it. That first half was choppy, period. I believe it was 13 to 7 at the half, and it just didn't feel like Penn State came out firing on all cylinders, and you and I were texting about it a little bit. How much is that 11 a.m. Central start time, you know, throwing a wrench into your, your prep, and you've lived that? No, seriously, it really does. I mean, it's, it's like wake-up calls at 6.30 in the morning. Even though you're excited about a game, 
it's still just your body clock looking at it a little different. You're getting to the stadium at like nine o'clock. I mean, probably earlier than that, like maybe eight 15, you're getting to the stadium and it's just, it's just a little different. You're not at home. And especially when they're having their orange out, whatever their event is, their fans are excited, but to come out and, you know, they play with a lot of energy. So when I'm saying all that is you have to weather the storm of the other teams, especially from the home field advantage. Uh, but it is sometimes difficult. We talk about the 05 W against Northwestern. That was a team that wasn't nearly as talented as us. But the way we came out at 11 o'clock start, same thing. They got onto a nice jump. And it just keeps the game competitive because in Big Ten play, you have to find different ways to win. And, and again, we talk about the choppiness on offense. It just wasn't as explosive as the past weeks. And with that being said, creating the turnovers, that is another another check in the box of – a good football team when you can find other ways to win and creating turnovers is one of those key metrics. It was interesting, Justin. I mean, we had the conversation with Todd Blackledge a few days ago here on state of state, and he was saying, Hey, it's difficult to win on the road. And it's one thing to say that. And it's another thing to then go out and do it. <laughs> and uh, you know, this was a perfect example of that. It's very difficult. And you have a quarterback who's starting his third game and it's his first start uh, in a road game. So there's something to be said about that. I want to start with the turnovers that you mentioned, because in the first half, it was like the feeling I had as a viewer was, thank God they got a turnover because it felt like Illinois was moving the ball quite well, running the ball decently. Altmeyer was inaccurate, but he was just hitting. Receivers were getting separation there in that first half. So it didn't feel like lockdown you really until the third quarter and you get that uh, fourth uh, a third and fourth interception, really five total turnovers. Now it's like, okay, they have really got this guy locked up and you saw it from a lot of different guys. Uh, wh what do you accredit that to in the first half? Was it something Illinois was doing? Was it something Penn state wasn't doing? What did you see? Well, when I mentioned weather in the storm, a lot of times I talk about an emotional game of football and just the physicality of it. That does lend well to the home team and especially situations like this. But when we talk about even just, personnel and evaluating players and talk about defensive backs, one of the key things you want to look for are uh, uh, possession creators, right? Guys that turn the ball over and get you extra um, shots with the ball in your hands. And especially with the sped up clock and things of that nature, I think it came into effect today. Daquan Hardy's first game back, you know, he immediately makes, makes a play. Uh, Abdul Carter, he's getting on the, on the stat sheet from that standpoint. Um, DeLuca has a nice forced fumble. So like planning those areas in opportunistic defense, that that's what you want. And that's the hard thing to accomplish in football. I mean, obviously people like the, the Illinois team, they're on scholarship as well. So like moving the ball and making plays, that's, that comes with the territory, but can you make plays and flip the field and create turnovers is always the hard piece of football and that separates the good teams from the elite teams. So to be able to do that when things aren't clicking is, has been uh, a promising thing. I think for this Penn state football team where we have it, where it's like, I don't like how that run game looks, but Hey, that pass game looks well. Okay. I don't like how the pass game looks, but Hey, we're not running it well. I don't know how to run defense looks, but these other things are balancing out and it's not, nothing is falling flat from across the um, standpoint, whether it's the run game, defense, or just different categories of the football team all at once, but they've had enough, a strong enough showing in each one to essentially dominate or take over the theme of the game. And I think today it would be turnovers. Turnovers 
absolutely the story of this and the defense leading the way and helping Penn State secure this win. Uh, you mentioned Daquan Hardy back in the lineup. Uh, Penn State was uh, pretty transparent about naming some players that were available and unavailable going into this game, which, as you well know, is uncommon from James Franklin. But Alonzo Ford and Smith Vilbert, uh, earlier this season, we'd known they've been out uh, for the season with an injury. Landon Tengwall is on that list. So those guys were not surprises. But Penn State did have back the aforementioned Daquan Hardy, uh, Koziah Zard, and defensive end Amin Fanover. So those three certainly stepped up. Uh, Malik Mega was unavailable for this game, and uh, Trey Wallace was listed as questionable coming into the game. I don't believe I saw him at all. Uh, so uh, that answers that question. But those three that I mentioned defensively, Hardy, Vanover, and Izzard, appeared to make a significant difference uh, to me at least you know that first half yeah I mean was it breathtaking outside of the turnovers no but when they finally got things organized there in the second half uh Vanover I thought contributed to the pass rush and they certainly made things difficult for Altmaier in that respect uh the defensive line porous leaky as you said in the first half short things up in the second half Daquan Hardy, you have talked about him at length, that the ability to get off the field on third down and then create a turnover, he is instrumental for this defense to have success. Uh, were those three uh, a big boost in your mind, or was it just a matter of like, hey, they had to kind of shake the cobwebs in the first, and then they got organized in the second? Yeah, when you attribute, like again, to talent that fills in certain gaps, I mean, we haven't seen any turnovers, and then Daquan comes back in his first game, and he gets some turnovers. We see the quarterback running around the backfield just from different pressures, and because I is our being in there and moving around from that standpoint uh, as well. So I guess what I'm saying is, like, when you have a game of matchups and you have some better players that match up against the other team, it's tend to make plays, and that's what we saw today. And, I mean, again, we can't think – enough of it when we think about the turnovers and like Daquan starting it off and getting off the field and third down and just keeping the game I want to say within striking distance but not letting it get away from us I mean because we were punting it a little bit more than we have been the past couple of weeks and so they I mean just looking at how many people have tackles it's a completely different show than it has been so like even Illinois being able to be on the field uh for longer drives and play have a little bit more success up and down the field I think it just shows the the significance of turning the ball over. I'm not I'm not going to harp on it because that's a very hard thing to do in the game of football, and especially when your offense isn't clicking the way that they have been the previous weeks. Because then there's a level of pressure for on you to perform and give them another shot at it, and that's what they did today. 26 players recorded a tackle for the record for Penn State, <laughs> uh, and that's between defense and special teams. So activity from a lot of yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I will get back to the defense but I think that the biggest headlines obviously the turnovers from the defense and then offensively uh, th this was a, this just an odd game and I know you talked about and, and we have talked about that it seemed like for the first two weeks this is an offense that could do kind of whatever it wanted it didn't feel that way in this game it felt like Illinois' front seven, front four even, the defensive tackle, Newton, was outstanding, and he was somebody coming into this game that we didn't talk a ton about, but obviously he proved that he is very, very capable. A lot of pass deflections, a lot, and a lot of those for Drew Aller, which is surprising considering his stature. Uh, Olu Fashanu, a, a game to forget. It was just odd. It was just odd. What, what was going on offensively? I think you're we're talking about getting in the Big Ten play, right? We're going against real defenses where they had a couple weeks to look at tendencies, how guys play, and you can attack it. I think even when we talk about the run game, 
you had some efficiency with Catron Allen, but you they were putting nine guys in the box. Remember yeah. before the season, I said if I was a defensive coordinator, I would just stack up the box and make make them beat me outside on the perimeter. And I think that was what Coach Billima's game plan was today. And with the energy home 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 field advantage to an extent, I think it worked and it showed his hand in the first half until kind of the the personnel discrepancies started to show up and guys started making plays on Penn State's team. Let's start with Drew Aller, 16 of 33, 208 yards passing, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, which is great. Six carries for 24 yards, a long of eight. He was not comfortable most of the day. That is under 50% completion percentage against West Virginia. I think it was about roughly 72%. And against Delaware, granted, it's Delaware, it was 84%. So this is a steep drop off, and this is something that's been talked about last year in the sparse opportunities that he had when he had a clean pocket and he had a time to throw his completion percentage hovered around 70 percent and then when he was under pressure his completion percentage would drop off to about 40 percent so it seemed like he was off balance and not uh not steady in the pocket he seemed uncomfortable credit to illinois they were getting after him consistently uh he was making some odd decisions with the ball that we haven't seen the first few weeks and that uh, there were a couple times I saw him tuck it and run that I was like, that I don't know if I feel all that comfortable with that as a fan. I'm like, hey, man, just be, be careful there. And and another thing that jumps out to me, Justin, is I, I'm a little surprised we didn't see the Bo Perbula package, the offensive installment. Yes, for those of you watching and listening, he got in in the fourth quarter after he, he subbed in for Drew Aller. But you never saw him utilized with the ones in the quote-unquote Bo Perbula offensive package. And if anything – the way the offense was struggling in the first half and into the third quarter, hell, you needed a passing touchdown from Trey Potts to really spark something. I- I'm a little surprised you didn't see Bo utilized there. Were you? Not really, because, I mean, Bo's package would probably be more leaned on the run, run RPOs, draws, different things of that nature, moving the quarterback around. And the way that they were playing against the run all day, it, it wouldn't seem like that would be my initial um, – option to go to i mean to combat what was going on because i mean like you say we talk about drew aller he had a pretty pedestrian day the one thing i do like even in a pedestrian or an off type of day is again not causing turnovers so the fact that he didn't have any touchdowns or interceptions kind of evens the playing field out a little bit for me and my brain because you know there were some moments today where he started to run i was like oh he would have threw that away or he would have found an open receiver. And I, and I would have to say credit to Illinois as well. They've had two games to prepare for these guys and like kind of the different tendencies. So even changing it up from running plays and really committing to stopping the run. And just now we have to figure out, okay, okay let's not get any balls batted down at the line of scrimmage because I don't know if that's something that they've seen on film of how he releases the ball or where he typically throws later into the downs. They did a good job getting pressure on them. And, and again, with that being said, no interceptions is a saving grace. And with Catron Allen, I mean, four yards of carry. Nick Singleton with three yards of carry. The running game wasn't opening up enough on the back end from the passing standpoint. I know he went to who did he go to a little bit on the on the receiving end. Got to Nick. I mean, I got yeah, to Nick, he got to Nick a, a little bit. But like you said, it took a took a uh, a pitch pass to get into the end zone. So I mean, I think that just goes to that they were trying to commit it. I mean, Illinois was committed to stopping the run, and we just have to figure out a way to move the ball outside of that. I understand Drew Aller was a five-star recruit, number one quarterback recruit in the nation when he came to Penn State. But one of the 
few concerns that people have reported about him since his days in high school in Ohio is that his footwork isn't perfect, needs work, something to be improved upon. And it's something James Franklin and the staff have talked about the entire time that he's been at Penn State. Not harped on it, but that it's like, hey, this is something that will will need work over time. There appear to be so many instances where he threw off platform. And some of that was created by Illinois. Some of that was created by uh, their pass rush. Some of it was created by their pass coverage. And, you know, you hear the term coverage sack. It just made it seem like he had happy feet sometimes. He was throwing off platform. And he has that arm talent that we always talk about, that he can throw in unconventional ways and his arm is strong enough and he can get the ball there. But that led to more inaccurate throws than we've seen from him. And I come back to the root of a lot of this stuff. Uh, my, my worry is the offensive line because the, the running game was not as potent as we've seen. And the pass protection, you know, while he didn't get hammered necessarily in this game, he was consistently uncomfortable. And it does worry you for other Big Ten teams because, oh, by the way, next week, Iowa, one of the best defenses in the country, comes to Beaver Stadium for a night game on CBS. And now I'm worried. What do you think? Uh, I mean, just looking at the game, they still come out 30 to 13. I mean, not worried because, again, they've shown it's almost like it's been three different teams that we've seen. We haven't seen all cylinders hit at the same time. Um, So with that being said, there's like still a hope in my heart where it's like, all right, all these things are going to line up and it's still getting the. The, the mesh points together with the offense, whether it's like, okay, we got a defense that's committing the nine in the box. Like, how are we going to attack this? And I think at the beginning of this game, they were on their heels a little bit, right? Like, Illinois was bringing the attack to them and all those good things. But, again, to be able to have that ability to create turnovers the way they did today, not to say levels out all the different words, because I think the offensive line was something to definitely be concerned about, especially – when he was taking any type of dropbacks, like you said, just uncomfortable back there. And it, it, it will be interesting to see against Iowa next week. But at the same time, I feel like it was a completely different game plan than they came out against West Virginia or even Delaware, just based on the defense that Illinois presented to those, to those guys. But like, again, getting into that big 10 play, it's just going to, it's now we're getting into the chess matches a little bit, a little bit more equal uh, personnel and matchups. And with that being said, I mean, you would hope to see them spread the spread the field out some more and put some of the onus on the receivers. We had some drops by Malik McClain a little early in the game that could have been costly first downs and creating separation because you have to be able to one one on one on the outside, regardless if they're putting eight or nine people in the box, you have to be able to win on the um, on the perimeter. And I don't know if they did that well enough today. So that's one area that I would see hope that picks up. And I don't want to be all doom and gloom. I know it can tend to be that way, but it's looking <laughs> at this game. Joel Klatt hit it perfectly during the broadcast. Just every once in a while, he'd be mentioning Penn State fans are looking at this game against Illinois, win or lose, through the lens of how will we match up against Ohio State on October 21st and against Michigan on November 11th. And, and it just worries me. It just worries me because there were gaps in the secondary in the first half that you're like, man, that's something Ohio State would feast on. And there were elements in terms of the way Penn State's offensive line was just not getting a push for the bulk of the first three quarters. Um, that's going to be a real challenge against Michigan if you can't do that, if you can't run the football. So there, there's elements that need some work. 
I would I, I completely agree. I don't know if Michigan or Ohio State would commit to eight or nine people in the box every single time, just based on how they play. It's like, look, they just have a different mentality in terms of personnel setup. And it's like, all right, we don't need to put eight or nine in the box. So it's going to like make them, whether it's in the run game, beat the uncovered man, or if it's in the pass game, beat your receiver, beat their DBs one-on-one, vice versa. I think Illinois came out with a nice game plan and Penn State figured it out at, as the game went on. But with that being said, this team is still formulated. We named it three pretty impact players that this was their first time getting some run. And they made plays and made an impact. So as that continues to to flow, I don't even know if I'm I'm ready to commit to problem areas besides just, to be honest with you, just more spacing or just creating more um, separation from the receivers to give Drew some chances to make throws. And obviously he has to get the – all getting batted down at the line of scrimmage <laughs> taken care of. But, yeah, and, yeah, and it on the ones where they were batted down, it didn't look like he was necessarily trying to sidearm it. I give a lot of credit to this Illinois defensive line. That's a very well-coached defensive line because, as you well know, that's all about timing. And the, if the guy is 6'7", six, 6'8", six, yeah, you, you might not get to that ball. But Drew is a big guy, and it wasn't that he was sidearming the ball or anything. They were just timing it very, very well. And like I said, it was a tough day for Olu. That was one of the tougher days that he's experienced. They got in J.B. Nelson's face. They got into Sal Wormley and Caden Wallace. Like, nobody was really without blame in some respect for this offensive line. I I do want to come back to what you said about the wide receivers. Lack of separation through most of this game. However, one bright spot that I do want to point out, that there were bright spots. Yes, they won the game. But I do want to point out, (laughs) Tyler Warren, three catches for 35 yards and a touchdown. Now, uh, that's tied for the most receptions on the team with uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith. He had three for 23. Singleton had three for 49. And again, you saw a variety of guys get involved in the passing game. But for me, Tyler Warren sneakily was your most open receiver this entire game not because of the number of targets or receptions he had but just about every single time I looked up he was open and there were opportunities that Drew Aller could have gotten to him that were thwarted by pressure or by you know just not wherever Warren was in the progression just Aller hadn't gotten there yet and so I, I don't put any blame necessarily on Tyler Warren but I saw a lot of opportunity for the tight ends and it's not even casting blame that, oh, they didn't take advantage of it. But it's just something that's something to keep an eye on because now you go against Iowa, who loves zone coverage. They will live in that zone coverage. How can Penn State potentially exploit that with its tight ends? I mean, I think you start, it starts up front again, right? When we talk about the run game and getting those linebackers keen in on the run, moving up and getting some that space behind the depth, of, that linebacker depth where a lot of the percentage, a lot of the higher percentage passes to tight ends occur, right? Whether you can have an open run game. When you get the running game established, it opens it up for the tight ends because, again, like I said, you're dealing with the same combative defensive backs, whether it's the safeties, linebackers that are in the plays all the time. But when you don't have that and you don't establish it, you give just it's easier to cover those positions. So I think it comes back to the offensive line and establishing and establishing the front seven against. Um, I was defensive line to be able to move the ball from the running standpoint to open it up for those different pockets when it comes to zone coverage. And again, for the receivers to put some pressure on the defensive back so that they only put six or seven guys in the box so that, uh, I mean, a run game can happen. I mean, they have to make plays on the outside to balance out the run and pass game for Drew and the offensive line. 
Penn State fans, Smack Apparel has the best gear for talking smack on game day. Head to smackapparel.com today and check out their Let There Be White tee for the whiteout game against Iowa at Beaver Stadium. Also, there's Drink Up, Roar On, Saturdays We Are, and you can still get a Save a Couch Beat WVU shirt. If you're watching this on YouTube, scan the QR code on the screen to take you to the website instantly on your phone. Visit smackapparel.com and use our promo code STATE 10 at checkout for 10% off your order. That's S-T-A-T-E-1-0. Again, that's smackapparel.com, promo code STATE10 at checkout. Why wear boring when you can wear smack? Are you looking for undeniably good hair and beard care? Then Maestro's Classic is perfect for you. Maestro's has beard washes, beard oils, beard butters, plus hair gels, pomades, and now body washes. It's one brand for every man. Visit maestrosclassic.com. That's M-A-E-S-T-R-O-S classic.com and use our promo code STATE20. That's S-T-A-T-E-2-0 at checkout for 20% off your order. Maestro's Classic, crafting a better you. Nine receivers caught a pass. That's been pretty consistent. It was 9, 10, and 9 between the West Virginia, Delaware, and now Illinois game, respectively, in terms of receivers that were incorporated and caught passes for this offense. So, again, you continue to see the diversity, which is great. Something that did work for this passing game was getting to the perimeter with the running backs. Stuff out of the backfield, the singleton worked a variety of times. Why do you think that? took Penn State a little while to be like, hey, we should we should go to this a little bit more often. And why do you think it worked? I mean, I think it worked because when you're keying in on it, like, again, a group of running backs or a long boys from a running game standpoint, getting running running backs and linebackers out on a perimeter typically lends well to an explosive running back like Cage, I mean, not Cage Ron, but like Nick Singleton. And so sometimes it takes time to see where those different openings are to release your back out of the backfield because we talked about it earlier when Drew was stepping back for different passes, he was feeling pressure. So, I mean, until you can understand the protections and make sure that back scans the protections and make sure no one's coming free, gets his chips in, then you can start getting them involved in the pass game and getting those guys and taking advantage of those matchups. I mean, like you said, I'm happy that now he's getting into the pass game because that's another thing that the defense like of Iowa has to contend to. So you would hope to see more of that spread them out, spread them out to run it or bring them in, condense them to spread them back out. You know what I mean? Just a t- normal um concord uh was it accordion type of offense like you bring them in to spread them out or keep them spread to run up the middle so as long as you get that type of flow in the game i think penn state's gonna be all right but they have to establish the run game in order to dictate those different avenues that they're going to exploit and it just didn't seem like today they really got the chance to establish the run as you mentioned like in the second half things seemed to just settle down a little bit more first half just seemed clunky is, is the way i would put it and yeah uh, not sure like choppy like choppy waters right yeah yeah and, <laughs> and again, like, oh, okay right yeah it was a it was a roller coaster uh but you know i think you hit the nail on the head that it's that this is the beginning of big 10 play and I, I think we've tried to put in perspective as best we can the game against west virginia yes a big 12 opponent at home opening the season at night great atmosphere great fan support, all those things. The Delaware game, it's an FCS opponent, okay? I think a lot of people have been excited about this, but to see them go on the road against a team that had been clunky itself the first two weeks, nearly lost to Toledo, and then lost on the road against Kansas, 
I, I guess I think Illinois just seemed like they got it together, but this was just the beginning of Big Ten competition, and it does just now make you really put into perspective what this Iowa game is going to be next week. Um, I, I hate playing Northwestern because even though they're not a good football team, they just drag people down. They drag you into the muck to play ball. So we'll see them in a couple of weeks. Then you get a bye, UMass, and then Ohio State. And then it's like, okay, a lot of this stuff needs to get figured out in the next month. The clock's ticking. Every week I get better, right? I think the, the opponents have a little bit more information on the quarterback and how we're attacking and same on our defense and just understanding how to make plays and take over the game earlier and earlier and hitting on all cylinders out of the gates, I think is a big, I mean, question mark for Penn State or something for them to capitalize on. But with that being said, like, yeah, the opponents are going to continue to get tougher and our identity is going to continue to shift. So as other teams are getting better, I mean, we'll continue to get better as well. So I, I have some hope of that because we're showing, again, those different identities each game and still coming out with sizable victories. So with that being said, I I, I do I do understand, and it did feel choppy, but you're seeing different components of the game. Going into this game, I was questioning, like, man, are we going to create any turnovers? Because, like, if we have an off day on offense, like, and we don't have these turnovers, we could be talking. This game could go in a. It could be a nine. Could have been a shoot overtime or mm-hmm. nine nine overtime game again, um, but hopefully that never happens. But creating the turnovers on the other end, it just shows the dichotomy that the team can present. So I'm still hoping for it all to come together and kind of play in more of a seamless manner. And again, I mean, we're talking week four next week, so I'm I'm still holding my breath. I think everybody I'm having flashbacks to the 2016 season where it was like, this is a second half team. And that was a really stressful season to get through and that it was exciting, but it was like, it's a second half team. And I'm like, "Mm -hmm. this means I'm going to have more gray hair, you know, in the third and fourth quarter altogether. (laughs) I don't think, I think it's too soon to say that about this team, but this was not necessarily that proverbial tale of two halves or whatever, but that first half was choppy second half better but i wouldn't say it was night and day necessarily how to keep the confidence intact because it's a matter of even going into those games i remember 2016 it was it seemed like a comeback in the second half right we're either down or it's a tie game at least in all these different situations still winning we want to maybe execute a little bit better but it's still 16-7 on an away game orange out whatever they call it winning and not hitting on all cylinders and still winning and so when you have that type of room to recover and make plays, I mean, it does come down to it. So Jimmy's and Joe's game. I always say it. I mean, I lean on personnel. And so when that happens and players start to make plays, still win 30-13. And not to say Illinois is the cream of the, you know, cream of the crop or they're Michigan or Ohio State. But with that being said, like you said, they haven't played well on some away games, but this was their first home game, big crowd and getting things rolling. So giving them credit as well as a, as a big 10 team that's well coached and had a good game plan in the first half. So like kudos to our guys coming out and figuring out how to make plays when things aren't going in your, going your way to still continue to win the game, because that is a more telling sign to me than coming out and being completely smooth and and running these guys over never really being battle tested. That's, what I'm looking at this team from a standpoint, maybe that's what you're comparing to 2016 of like seeing like, okay, these guys were battle tested, get to the uh, Big Ten championship and come back. And we, we, every time the game's close, we feel like we're going to win it out. 
Mm-hmm. These games really haven't been close. It just we haven't been ex- ex- exactly happy with the execution level. But so with that being said, you know, it, it should be interesting to see what it looks like next week. But I think there's definitely room to improve. But that makes me feel good about the type of victory it is. If you're a Penn State fan, are you wrong to have an expectation for this team to be blowing people out at this point in the season? I mean, I think it's a new day and age of college football. We just, like, I don't think everyone understands what, what all rosters look like across the board. We talk about transfer portal, who's coming in, regardless of how people play week to week, like players get better. Colorado went one and 11 last year and now, you know, coming up on a three and no type of season. So like the way rosters flip over, I mean, I think should expect to maybe have different execution in the game from just a fan standpoint. But the margin of victory has been pretty significant the first three games, even with one road road victory that was a little choppy at the beginning. So, I mean, blowouts, I guess we consider what is a blowout, right? Like, well, it, 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 here, I'll put it this way. The box score for this game does not tell you the whole story. That right. if you just went and read it, you'd be like, wow, five turnovers, four interceptions. Oh, my God, they must have killed them. But you watch this game, it did not feel like – they drubbed Illinois by any means. And I think that comes back to Penn State fans have an expectation that this team could contend for the national championship. And with that, they are looking to see a team that handles lesser opponents easily. Not necessarily it's perfection wall-to-wall, but the likes of the way Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama in the past have thumped people for much of the year and yes, they have their challenging games in conference and the occasional non-con against, you know, top flight competition. But for the most part, you see a team handle the business the, the way they're supposed to, if they're going to play at that level. I actually, I would, I would actually uh, push back on that and say that games from those, from those teams like Georgia, Alabama in the past have actually been closer than people give credit for. Maybe when they play out of conference, but when they play in the SEC, they're pretty comparable games. And they're one on some gritty type of wins throughout the season. There's very few blowouts just based on mm. the matchups that, t- that people are typically playing against. I mean, we might see some blowouts from Ohio State and maybe in the past, but in the more recent times of college football, there's been a little bit more parity amongst teams. So, like, even it's again, looking at the advanced level of the game, like you said, outside of just the score, outside of the box score, or just even watching it. The way they won, it's it's definitely, it's a different way of winning football. Like the one thing I learned, whether it was at the XFL, working in front office and different things of that nature, there's more than one way to skin a cat, right? Like the Buffalo, uh, I mean, the Baltimore Ravens won with Trent Dilfer and a hall of, and a great defense. And then uh, we can have the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs with, you know, the high flying um, Patrick Mahomes and all that stuff. And we can go the same thing with college we have the alabama teams and then you have like the clemson teams and those teams are always i guess i mean somewhat explosive but all those alabama teams weren't always crazy explosive like you couldn't really score on them right like they had always had question marks at quarterback and different things in, in, in that realm and so we just have again it gets back to now the identity of what this team is and what the identity of the penn state expectation like the Penn State fans' expectation of the team is because I think when you think about a, a top, a top tier quarterback and two running backs and elite defense, you do expect it to look 
maybe a little bit more explosive. But to me, the fundamental aspect of the game of football, like this type of game travels as long as we get the run game solidified and other things moving forward. I mean, run game, the offensive line, getting those things solidified, what they've shown they can do. To be able to win those gritty punch them in the mouth type games on the road, that that makes me feel more comfortable as a football fan because I we know that they have the weapons to be explosive. Like you know, you know what I'm saying? Like so the, like knowing that that is actually there, now it's just a matter of it's just kind of tinkering the ingredients. Like we have the ingredients. It's like scary when you don't have the ingredients. Like I'm trying to make peace right, and I don't right. have dough, right? But like I have all this stuff, but let's just make me sure we get the the rations right before the customers come. <laughs> the the defense I would give all the credit possible to the way that they created turnovers. They did a very good job. It was you know, it's, we've had Johnny Dixon on the show. He walked away with a pick, and he said, when you're better than people, you just play. And it was a lot of man coverage picks, not a ton of deception. There was pressure at the right times. Uh, Abdul Carter was in the right place at the right time for his pick. And, uh, and then the, the fumble recovery, Kobe King was in the right place at the right time. Like, everybody was just in the right place at the right time, you know, and that's fantastic. Looking at the defense, you know, outside of the guys who were able to, you know, record turnovers, I thought Abdul looked sharper. Yes. Don't know what you think. Uh, I thought Abdul looked sharper, and I thought the pass rush looked improved. What do you think on both of those? I would definitely agree. I think Abdul looked good. There were some times we were just closing in on the quarterback. Obviously, he made the play on that on that blitz and slid under the zone. Nice little show and got back under um, to make a play. I thought uh, I thought Winston. I thought he looked good at safety, um, coming up making some good plays early. And I, and I, I felt like there was more pressure from the the, the defensive line. Uh, with those guys moving around, Adisa showing up and causing havoc, crashing down, making uh, plays behind or close to the line of scrimmage. He had some goofy, a couple goofy penalties. Ryan Fisher showed up early. Um, Seeing more from, uh, not Zariah, but uh, what's my other guy's name? Well, I mean, Vanover certainly got some run in this game. 100%. 100%. I mean, Guys were guys were showing up. I mean, from the front seven, I was more Zane. Zane is who I was thinking. Oh, about. Zane Durant, yes. Zane Durant is who I was thinking about. Like those guys just being active up front. You love to see it. I mean, Dennis Denai Sutton was moving around and making some plays as well. Denai is a guy we haven't talked much about this year. No, that, no he hasn't done much. It. I mean, that's what we what, talk do, about. Do you think it's um? Because he flashed a lot towards the back end of last season and a lot of mop-up duty games. So it looked like, oh, you know, maybe maybe that's inflated because of the, the competition he was against at the, the point in those games. Um, and we talked about it. He was a true freshman last year, so he's still figuring things out. He was recovering from an injury coming to Penn State. So there's something to be said about his timeline being backed up compared to some of the other guys. But I think you and I were expecting a leap from him and – it just hasn't happened yet. It's not, you know, oh, doom and gloom or anything like that. It's just, when's this moment going to come? No, I mean, I think that we talk about pass rushing and sacks and college football it just has to be tempered a little bit just from the, the time that the typical play runs. I mean, I think the balls out of, I mean, average in the Big Ten or across college football is like under two and a half seconds from play count, from hut to ball out of the quarterback's hands. So even when it comes down to, like pressures and pass rush, it, you start to see that when they're in passing situations like later in the game. And that's when we start to see the defensive line come together. So what that happened, what I, I guess what I'm saying is like you want to see more of that presence in the run game when it's like a stout 
type of situation and they're coming out trying to establish the run and you're just getting to the quarterback um, earlier in the downs and just making sure that all seams are closed up and causing havoc if it's beyond two seconds or a quick throw. And that we just haven't gotten into those situations yet. I, I believe as we see more of those situations happen, like we did in the second half against Illinois, we'll probably see more Ohio State, Iowa, and getting into big, big 10 play. We'll be able to better judge their ability to rush the passer. But right now, I think the key is to shore up that run game before we start seeing these heavy run teams that have a full identity committed to punching you in the mouth. Well, that's what Iowa does. Uh, <laughs> great timing. <laughs> no, and, and that's why, you know, that's why I said before, my my level of concern for the Iowa game is a little higher after this game than it was going into it. And and part of that is respecting how Iowa has played this year. This is not the same team last year where their most valuable weapon was a punter. They have taken some steps to be incrementally better on offense. I think Cade McNamara, quarterback, the transfer from Michigan, helps them dramatically. They like to run a run-heavy offense with play-action pass. And then defensively, we know what Kirk Ferentz rolls out there. This is a, and it was something Joel Klatt talked about during the broadcast. They consistently run zone coverage, and they will clog the middle, and they will make your life very, very difficult to run the football. My hope is that Drew Aller takes the experience that he had today against Illinois. Very talented front forward appeared, or at least they had a lot of success against Penn State's offensive line. Is that Drew Aller takes this experience against Illinois and goes into the Iowa game and gets the ball out faster, hopefully because there are more opportunities within a zone defense to get his guys open to, for there to be a little bit more separation. I'm hoping to see more out of Keandre Lambert Smith and that he just didn't have the same pop that he had the first two weeks. Uh, no Trey Wallace, I think was noticeable. I, I think we underestimate how valuable Trey Wallace is to this offense and that I use the term possession receiver, and maybe you can articulate that a little bit better. He might not be the game breaker, but he is the game mover. If that makes any sense. No, 100%. When you come down third down, you have to have a, a seven, eight-yard catch, or if you need that, 12 to 14-yard intermediate route, having a guy that can run exquisite routes and is a sure catch when you throw him the ball is essential. I mean, we've seen it in the past where, uh, like, like Deshaun Hamilton has come to my mind as someone that's like an elite possession receiver. It's like, like you want to throw him the ball, he's going to catch it and he's going to make a play. He probably made a little bit more explosive plays at Penn State, but as a possession receiver, like that was his makeup. And you start to rely on those guys. I mean, Jahan is kind of a best of both worlds where he can take it over top, but he also has the ability just to make the right possession catches and make the catches, right? Very or you throw it to him. <laughs> so you would, yeah, Yes, it's something when it's like the nickel position where you miss that position when they're not in, and when they are, sometimes you take it for granted. So that's that's a great call on missing Trey Wallace this past week. Yeah, hopefully uh, he was questionable again for this game. Uh, hopefully he's he's good to go for Iowa. I think that would be valuable. I'd like to see the tight ends get a little bit more uh, exposure, some more opportunities. And and again, I really don't put that necessarily on Mike Yersich. It's it's clear that he's trying to get these guys involved in, in the game. Uh, and it's one thing to go out there with uh, a predetermined destination for the football. And the thing I love about this game more than anything, and you hit on it earlier, is that Drew Aller wasn't forcing passes. Yes, there were times he was inaccurate. But it was a situation of my guys getting it or nobody's getting it. And a lot of times it was nobody's getting it. And that's, you know, that you don't want to see that. 
but at least Drew Aller protected the football. And that's something that you Penn State fans can thank Sean Clifford for is that that education of take care of the ball, because when things are not going great offensively, the last freaking thing you need is a turnover. And Drew Aller didn't allow that to happen. I'd like to see him set his feet more. I'd like to see him get rid of the ball quicker and not take off and run. Uh, No disrespect to his athletic ability. It just just makes you kind of panic for a second. You're like... I know it makes you hold your breath and you're like, you know, it's one injury away and it's not saying that Bo Perbula is a bad quarterback by any means, but it's just, okay, like this is the guy and you don't want to see anything bad happen. So it's just like, all right, let's, let's protect the guy. And honestly, I think there's a lot of positives that Auer can take away from this. And again, you've said it many times is that at the end of the day, they won this game. They won their first road game of the season. They won their first big 10 game of the season. Now projecting to the Iowa game, and we'll cover that more this week. What do you feel strongly about for Penn State heading into this home matchup against the Hawkeyes? I like that today was a little bit of a a battle-tested win. Um, I think that goes... It's probably taken lightly in football is just the confidence in winning, regardless of how you win. When you know that you can win different ways, the confidence that then clicks in almost like when you're training a dog, like that good, uh, that good reinforcement is that like, hey, we we win though. <laughs> like so, like we're, there's a we want to find a way to win. So having that, I think today's game opening up in a Big Ten with Illinois, the way they played them against defense, played their defense against them. Um, leads well going into Iowa because I was going to play, like you said, a little similar, probably a little more zone coverages on the back end, but I think it gets them to wake up a little bit like, Hey, we can't just do anything we want against the offense. Hey, offensive line, you better, you know, bring your lunch pail, eat your three square meals a day this week and understand who we're attacking, how we're attacking it. Because I mean, Iowa can have different outcomes. Obviously we're at home, white out home crowd advantage does a different things to uh, opponents, but there's, areas that we can focus on focus in on and get better at and you continue to tell the defense hey keep making those turnovers because once things start clicking and you create five or six more turnovers i mean games like this can get out of hand really quick if you start hitting on all cylinders on the offense so again the fundamentals and the keys to victory they they are actually hitting um but you just want to make sure that they're doing it consistently across all the keys to victory so that's what you would want to see i mean there's it's very clear areas of improvement that need to be made and next week. Obviously, the offensive line run game and still stopping the uh, the run on defense is critical. But and getting this, this tight ends involved and opening up that defense a little bit. A lot of work to be done. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. Like, comment, subscribe, rate us. We appreciate you guys so much. And now we're looking forward to Penn State versus Iowa. We'll have the full preview episode in a few days for you. Thank you all so much for joining us. This episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter, at TheKing1 and at Tom Hannafin. State of State is presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.